Hello, Suns fans, and welcome to another edition of the Suns John and Matthew Session Podcast. That's Suns Jam Session. I'm John, he's Matthew, and this is a podcast. Thank you for stopping by. We appreciate you pressing play. Make sure that you subscribe to the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network wherever you're hearing this. You can rate us, you can review us, and give us five stars. We truly appreciate it. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Suns Jam. You can follow the Facebook page, Suns Jam Session, and you can email the show, session at gmail.com. There's my intro, and now I can finally talk to my cohort in crime, the master of the microphone, Mr. Matthew Lissy. How are you doing today, my friend? Johnny, I'm very happy. Today, uh, I just heard two minutes ago, baseball's coming back. Yeah, just, game season. just popped up. We'll actually see the validity of that. I think the commissioner's trying to push some something through. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a good day. If baseball is actually going to happen, it does make me smile. Yeah, still, it's uh, <laughs> still got to see if it happens, though. I know. I was just going to say because we we keep hearing a pushback the whole time. So for this to be final, I would like to see it in writing. You know? Yeah, I just like to see them playing. I mean, writing. I don't That's care. True. I literally want to see them out on the field playing, and then I will somewhat trust that it's happening. I'm yes, still exactly. not. I'm still not sold. Even today, when they denied the the players denied the 60 game. Uh, proposal by the owners they put out this long statement afterwards saying like hey you know we want to do everything we can to make sure that this season happens then accept the fucking proposal huh how about yeah, you just do that they're losing money and uh i don't know i i wish it was more around like 75 to 80 games that would feel more complete for me for baseball mm-hmm. especially with the fantasy baseball season so i don't even know if that's going to happen anymore but 60 games it's kind of like i don't even know if you should play i don't know it's kind of like on that thin like little line of games that should be played this year for baseball. I don't know about 60. Well, it's tough because typically by about 60 games, you're just learning who your team is. You know, 60 games is only 37% of a normal season. And it's typically about a third of the way through the season. You're like, okay, we're kind of understanding who our team is. And it's going to be very interesting to see who actually excels in this format. Is this something that the Diamondbacks, the local team, can take advantage of? Is it something that a team like the Dodgers or the Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees that are stacked with lineups have an opportunity to excel? We don't know, but hopefully we get to see. And it's going to be very strange, man. It, without a doubt, without a doubt. So we're, that's it. I mean, this is Sun's Jam Session, so we're, we're going to talk basketball, but that is a good point. You know, we just heard that the baseball season, you know, fingers crossed, might be happening, and we might have an opportunity to actually see sports. It's been over 100 days since we've had any sports of the main professional sports, you know, NASCAR has been playing a little bit, UFC, uh, yeah. golf, well, but none of the major sports have played yet. And hopefully, hopefully they're coming very, very soon. They're coming. All right. Well, we're going to talk about a bunch of other stuff on this here podcast, but I'm going to be popping open a beer because that's what I do, dog. It's a Sierra Nevada hazy little thing, IPA. So let's, uh, let's try this out. Reminds me of San Francisco. Ooh, crisp. All right. That was crisp. All right, so before we get into all of the different topics that we're going to discuss on this podcast, I got one question for you, Matthew. Based on our geolocational listeners, who do you think is the third populous country that listens to this podcast? Uh, Kazakhstan, right? Yeah, nailed it. it. 
Is Nail- it? No. Oh. <laughs> Borat and his people do not listen to our podcast. So the United States is one. So thank you to all of our United States listeners for tuning into the mm-hmm. podcast. Number two is Australia. So thank you to our friends down under for enjoying the podcast. Number three is Jamaica. Oh, wow. That's Jamaica. awesome. Jamaica. So, cool. You know, shout out to all of our friends in Jamaica for listening to the Sun's Jam Session podcast. We truly appreciate it. Just wanted to give you a little shout out before we get into all these fun topics. So random shit that you didn't know. Yeah, great place. Uh, hopefully one day uh, for my honeymoon, I can go there. That's oh, my dream honeymoon place. It'd be a fantastic so, place to visit. If you're not doing anything, John. Uh, that, I don't go to honeymoons. I'd be like at the wedding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you want me to show up? I'm, I'm like your personal butler in Jamaica. <laughs> hey, man, you're on your honeymoon. Uh, yeah. But we still got to record the podcast, Matthew. So Exactly, man. You're in the presidential suite. I'll be down at the beach. We got to keep working. Go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So our first topic that I wanted to talk about today is some of the technology that's being developed in an effort to assist the Orlando bubble. I saw something the other day that was talking about how they're going to create these different rings and buzzers and bracelets that the players can actually wear that are going to have sensors in them. And when they get six feet closer or six feet or close, closer, I'm messing that up. If when they get within six feet of a fellow player and they're there for more than five seconds, it buzzes. And then these rings will also have the ability to record temperatures and things of that nature to constantly be updating the, uh, the welfare of the players. What do you think mm-hmm. of some of these technological advances that are being proposed for the Orlando bubble? This thing's kind of like a mood ring in a way, right? That's what it, it looks like. That's what it looks like, but it's also something where hopefully it doesn't detect anything else. The first thing I thought about, like STDs, if these players <laughs> have STDs, I know, you know, this, uh, this wouldn't be very great. Um, but no, honestly, I, I think it's dumb. I, I don't want them to wear this. I think this is a pretty shitty idea. Just because they're going to be in the bubble, the safest place I feel like it's going to be on Earth. And if they don't have the COVID, then why can't they just be right next to each other? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, this has to be fake. I feel like this is no, a fake thing that they're not going to wear. I saw this on – so they were talking about it on uh, some show I was watching on ESPN a couple days ago. And then yeah. I decided to research it a little bit. And then sure enough, on CNBC, which I don't know if – you deem that fake news or not, but they have a whole thing on this. You know, they have smart medical devices, social distancing alarm. I mean, it's an interesting way to try to push the technology in an effort to try to keep players safe. And I'm using that in kind of quotations because, you know, I just feel like to your point, you know, is it going to detect STDs? Is it going to detect things that's not really meant to detect? (laughs) It's like our phones. You know, they say you're sold on the fact that your phone is a mini computer and has all these cool whistles and bells with it. But at the end of the day, like, you know, how much of your actual privacy are you sacrificing in an effort mm-hmm. to have this cool little computer? Same thing with like a ring that's supposed to take your temperature and let the world know or not, or the doctors know who are monitoring, whoever is monitoring these, your location. Because that's the other thing. It's like, hey, James Harden's at the strip club. How do you know that? Eh, his ring's there. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, he can always leave it on the uh, counter before he leaves, I think, like in the bathroom sink or something. So I don't think this thing's going to be too serious. It is a pretty good idea. I just think you can't restrict these guys too much from being close. Not, I'm not like they're going to be on top of each other, but they're going to be hanging out. You got to let mm-hmm. them enjoy each other. So they don't go crazy. And the biggest thing about the bubble is them going insane being in there. And this is one thing that would make them go even more insane. If your finger keeps buzzing because you're next to each other, six feet or, you know, close. So like I went back to work, we have the separation of six feet now 
to where people are working from home again. And now my desk, I moved into an office, but like anytime I'm like next to somebody or helping somebody with something, like I'm going to have a ring that's going to go off. That would be frustrating. And like, yes, it would like be something that would be on my mind all day. And hopefully it's not something that to wear when they actually are playing. Yeah. I doubt they'd have to wear it when they're playing, but I do think to your point, after the first couple buzzes, they're like, okay, fuck this shit. You know, it's like, yeah, this is annoying. They, just, they would throw it away. Yeah. I just, I just think they would. But You know, and again, I think on the surface, it's a good idea. It's an opportunity. Yeah. You know, when things like this happen, there's always an opportunity for technology to provide some sort of solution, you know, and, and you see technology push forward and forward based on necessity. And these are one of the, this is one of those things that might work in some sort of environment i don't know you know maybe if the fans wore it you know maybe if we get to the point where you go to a Suns game in a next season and they're doing social distancing still at that time maybe they're like listen as part of you buying a ticket we're going to give you this band and when you're within six feet of somebody it's just going to remind you that you know that i could see more happening versus having to wear this throughout my daily life and every act and as i'm walking around you know oh you know so I think that it's it's a good idea on the surface, but I don't think it'll necessarily work for the NBA. But that's where they initially are going to try it out until uh, Dem Booker takes it and shoots it from three-point land into the trash can and no longer yeah. wants it. But it's going to be funny to see when these players do go in, there's going to be a lot of testing that are going to come up positive, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think they'll still really follow through with the whole like 14 14- days of uh keeping them in solitary so that they cannot expose it to anybody else or do you think it'd be more something that i'm just thinking as adam silver do you keep it like as a hush hush thing or is that gonna be like totally i know that's totally against the rules (laughs) but i'm just saying when these things start popping up you're not gonna have anybody to play because i feel like it's gonna happen because everyone's gonna catch it yeah i think what's gonna happen is something that's kind of similar to what's occurring in arizona right now is as people are coming out and they're giving the thumbs up, it's like, listen, you can co-mingle with people. Our recommendation is that you, uh, you wear your masks and you are with, uh, within six feet of somebody. So I feel like as that's occurring, cases are still going up because people are still going to catch it. Now, at the yeah. same time, like people aren't dying from it, but people are getting sick from it. Yes. So as it's going to occur within the bubble of the NBA, the question is, are they allowing themselves kind of a buffer time? And I think that's what they're doing initially is players are going to report at the beginning of July. They're going to be around each other and playing uh, in training camps and things of that nature for almost three and a half weeks prior to games actually starting. And that's an opportunity to kind of co-mingle. If anybody's caught, caught it, kind of run it through the bubble, if you will. And then coming out the other side, you might have a couple teams that are down a couple players because they caught it late in the 14-day uh, quarantines occurring. But those are the eight games of the regular season before you hit the playoffs. So I think that's kind of why they spaced it out the way they did is give guys an opportunity to get back in shape prior to going, get guys an opportunity to actually get there and co-mingle and kind of run it through the system. And then by the time the playoffs come, everybody's either had it or, uh, or it's already kind of worked its way through the bubble. Because mm-hmm. you look at a lot of, you know, there's businesses and just, you know, people throughout Phoenix, that, that number's rising. There's no doubt about it. The number of people who are infected with the, cor- the coronavirus is rising because people are co-mingling. So at the same time, they're commingling, but people are also now becoming immune to it because they've already had it. So every time you see, you know, 3,000 people had it today, it's like, yeah, but of the three, those 3,000 people, you know, four people died, which is unfortunate, but they might have uh, had pre-existing conditions, things of that nature. The other 2,996 are now immune from it moving forward. 
Yeah. And that's how you, you know, the herd immunity thing is what it's mm-hmm. going to kind of occur, I think, in Orlando. Yeah. And the pre-existing thing too is I, I believe it's true. My dad had pneumonia in the hospital and they tested him three times for Corona, almost yeah. like they, in a way, kind of want him to have it just in case anything happens. It goes down as like a Corona, you know, issue, but um, I don't know. <laughs> where do we go from here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, where do we go from here? We, we have to yeah. sit back and wait and just kind of see how it's going to play itself out. Yeah. To your question, I don't think the NBA will sweep it under the rug or anything because I feel like they have an opportunity to show the rest of the world kind of how to manage this, that it's not as scary as everybody is making it out to be. It's like, yeah. listen, it's people are going to get sick. It's not fun to have people get sick, but people get sick and people recover from being sick. And this is an opportunity to kind of showcase in a small bubble that there's an opportunity for people to get sick, get well, and be, then be productive once again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And there are some players that are sitting out. Of course, Kelly Oubre was the first one, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, going into the next question, we were just going to ask, what players do you want Booker to recruit in Phoenix or to Phoenix? And the first guy I wanted, of course, was Dallas Bertans. And now he's not even going to be playing in the bubble. So um, I don't know. What do you think? Like, who do you, who else besides him would you want Booker to actually kind of recruit? Well, I look at it like this. Going into next season. Devin Booker is going to be kicking it at the Yacht Club, right? Yeah. So the other teams that are going to be at the Yacht Club are the Blazers, the Kings, the Pelicans, the Spurs, and the Wizards. Yep. So D- Davis Breton said today he's not going to be playing. He's had some ACL issues in the past. It makes sense. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. So initially what I did is I made a list for every one of the teams that are staying at the Yacht Club. So Booker can just go around to the different teams like, this is the guy you need to recruit. And the yes. first guy was Davis Bertans. I wanted him to come. Uh, he's not going to be there. Uh, Trevor Reza isn't going to be there. That was announced today as well. I don't think anybody cares. Yeah. No, no one cares. No one I'm not going to be there. Everyone just kidding. Life went on. Twitter went on. So, but in looking at guys that Booker could potentially recruit, I have five different guys for you. Okay. One on each one of those teams. Mm -hmm. Sound good. So wizards, we already said Davis Bertans. He's not going to have an opportunity to recruit him because he's not going to be there. So my first guy is uh, from the Sacramento Kings, Harry Giles. So do you know who Harry Giles is? I know the name. I really do. And I actually read your article. So, um, so go ahead and go into him. Yeah. So Harry Giles is a guy who was the top-ranked recruit by ESPN back in like 2007, 16. His freshman year, or I'm sorry, his senior year of high school going into his freshman year at Duke, he was the number one player in the country. That's in front of Jason Tatum, Lonzo Ball, De'Aaron Fox, Josh Jackson, all those guys. He was the best. But he's somebody who also had a lot of injury problems prior to even uh, going to college. He had messed up his left knee when he was a sophomore. He tore his ACL his senior year. So he's one of those guys who's kind of high risk, high reward, and he's actually mm-hmm. going to be a free agent at the end of the season. So he's somebody who Devin Booker could like be like, hey, man, you're 22 years old. You're young. You know, you got a lot of potential. Uh, you're six foot ten power forward. We need a power forward, most likely coming off the bench. Come join the Suns in the offseason. So he's kind of my first guy that I'd like Devin Booker to take a look at. What do you think about Giles? Yeah, the the word you use is potential, and that's mm-hmm. something I feel like we're kind of moved away from just because we've had so much of it, right, in the past four years, the potential in some guys. Uh, I know, but besides besides DeAndre Ayton, DeAndre Ayton does have potential, but it's there. Uh, so I don't think this is a guy probably they'll bring on. Uh, I know the whole story. It's a great story, and I think this guy's probably going to be pretty decent. Um I just don't think the, the Sacramento Kings are probably going to resign because they can probably get him something with something cheap. 
So I would think that they would be the first team to resign him. Um, but I don't think this is anybody the Suns would probably pick up. Well, I mean, he's a free agent, so he gets to choose where he wants to go. So, I mean, yeah. if Devin Booker's like, hey, man, come on over. We're, we have awesome Call of Duty tournaments, and he's really a Call of Duty guy, then maybe yeah. we'll get him that way. I don't know. Yeah, I think just because he hasn't really, um, you know, put himself in the league and actually became an actual player yet, because we're really waiting for him to develop more. That's the big reason I just think he's not going to be signed by the Suns. All right, well, you know here's I mean? my second guy. He is, an, he is an actual player. And that's from the San Antonio Spurs, Marco Bellinelli. So he's 34 years old. He's an Italian sharpshooter, okay? Uh, he's, what, 37.6% from deep in his career. Uh, yeah. he, had a, he had a down year this year, made $6 million this past season. Again, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent as well. And I feel like he's somebody that we could bring in and provides a veteran presence, uh, decent bench scoring, especially from that shooting guard position because we've discussed multiple times that when Devin Booker leaves the game, you really don't have anybody who can pick up his points. Uh, mm -hmm. Bellinelli, like I said, did have a down year, but there is potential there for him to be a, a great scorer. And he's somebody who just, you know, he has championship experience. He won the Italian League, champ Italian League championship in 05 and an NBA championship in 2014. So... What do you think about Bellinelli? Should Bellinelli. Booker, should Booker recruit, recruit him? <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. This would actually, uh, I know you're really big on getting Devin Booker some help off the bench and scoring. Uh, like you said, he had a bad year last year, but really if he joins the Suns, he would check mark two boxes, which would be scoring and the other one leadership. I think this guy would actually enjoy being in Phoenix. Um, he is older, but I don't feel like he would be someone that would you know want to contend for a championship like you said he's already won a championship so going somewhere else to help individuals especially if he can even help Devin Booker or any of the younger players would be great so I'm down for this guy uh, I don't know if he plays video games but <laughs> I I think he would be really great coming off the bench and who knows if he would even play that much but you really wouldn't have to pay the guy that much either I don't think well and that's the key I mean it's a matter of finding that right amount of money to get somebody to come provide that assistance you know he might look at phoenix and say hey this is one place that is actually going to still pay me uh knowing bellinelli though and knowing you know kind of uh where he is in his careers he might end up on one of those really good teams and you know he just becomes a really good role player for the bucks or the clippers or the lakers or something uh, but he's somebody i would really like to see play for phoenix like you said providing that leadership and maybe even a few points along the way yeah, he'd be great, but he was a spur, but I don't, I don't think that matters, right? <laughs> I'll let it go. I'll, I'll allow yeah. it. All right, so I've got two more players, and these are two guys that I would like for him to recruit, uh, yeah. but they won't actually come because that's just a fact. That's just how it's going to go. But yeah. I would like from the Portland Trailblazers for Devin Booker to recruit Hassan Whiteside. Now, obviously, okay. my first choice would be Dame Lillard, but Dame Lillard is – getting paid a ridiculous contract right now. <laughs> I think he's got a $54 million player option in the 2024 slash 25 season. So there's no way in hell we can afford him unless you trade like every other guy on the team, except Devin Booker uh, mm -hmm. to, to get him. So you have Hassan Whiteside, who's becoming an unrestricted free agent, uh, had a solid season playing for Portland. Now granted he's coming off a season where he made $24.6 million. I doubt that anybody's going to pay Hassan Whiteside, especially in the modern NBA, that kind of money in his next deal. I'm really interested to see 
what his value is this off season. Cause you just don't know yet, especially with the coronavirus and the way that the season has kind of uh, changed how the cap is going to be affected next year. He yeah. might be a guy who's like, listen, I'll go play for pennies on the dollar next year, knowing that the following year is where I can cash in and get a good contract. And if that's the case, I'd like him to come to Phoenix. I think he'd be a great guy coming off the bench and backing up DeAndre Ayton. I think he's somebody who could assist DeAndre Ayton's growth when it comes to uh, defensive intensity. Because Hassan Whiteside, as we've talked about before on the podcast, doesn't really have a high motor, but he does defensively. Offensively, he doesn't, but defensively, I mean, he led the uh, league in blocks this past season. Uh, He led the league in total rebounds at 14.2 per game. So he's somebody who I feel if we could somehow steal him for a year because of the odd cap situation going into the 2020-21 season, that it would be uh, benefit us and benefit DeAndre Ayton moving forward. Yeah, let's play a game. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right, let's play a game called – no way, daddy. And no way, daddy. This is not going to happen, dude. There's no, I know this, this is a guy. Fun game. Dude, you and Hassan Whiteside. I mean, I like Hassan Whiteside. I know. I just, <laughs> the only thing I don't want is like you said, the motor and we already have that to worry with Aiton. So to bring him in and actually have him come in after Aiton to another guy, even though he did leave the lead in blocks, uh, he puts up good stats, but there's just, the fear that he should be putting into or into the offensive player should be much more, and he doesn't bring that like he should. So I just want to save you the frustration, and Suns fans the frustration of getting this guy. Even if he, I mean, if you're saying we can get him for like two mil a year, because he oh, might yeah. be making yeah, that right. much. <laughs> <laughs> the best you could him, ever do is yeah. get him for like ten million dollars one year, ten million dollars. Yeah, uh, no, so I wouldn't. So I'd do two million. But even coming off the bench? Two mil. Yeah, I just, I can't. I'm sorry, man. Um, I would rather have um, just a veteran in there to come in off the bench. That's um, who Hassan Whiteside is. Yeah, I know he's 31, but he still seems like a rookie to me. So, um, uh, but no, I'm sorry, man. I, I know. <laughs> don't worry. Don't be sorry. You're, I'm the only one who likes Hassan Whiteside and would <laughs> like to have him on a one-year deal backing up DeAndre Ayton. I know I'm definitely the minority when yeah. it comes to this thought process. I just hear the talk from everyone else that are fans of basketball and that are fans of the Blazers or even uh, – who was he on before? I forget. Um, Miami oh, Heat. the Miami Heat. Yeah, that's where he got the big contract. Yeah. Uh, just their fans, Dan Lebertard's show, they all talked about it all the time. Maybe that's why, because I listened to them so much. Yeah. That, that's all they used to talk about. So, so, it's the sun wide side. So, yeah, never mind. Well, apparently none of them have ever played with Hassan Whiteside on 2K because he's fucking dominant on 2K. He would be. <laughs> he yeah, was. He would, he, I, yeah, I had him take no, the Suns to a championship one year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get you a poster of this guy. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it with me on my honeymoon. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. So the last guy I want Devin Booker to recruit when he's there in Orlando because Orlando is the timeshare capital of the world. So he needs to sit these guys down like it's a 90-minute timeshare presentation, and he's trying to sell them on Phoenix, Arizona. And the last guy I want him to, uh, to recruit, and is actually the guy I would prefer, obviously, more than anyone else, and knowing that there's no chance in fucking hell that we could get him, is from the New Orleans Pelicans, Brandon Ingram. I love Brandon Ingram. Yes. I think we both have. Uh, when he got drafted by the Lakers, we're like, dang it, because he's a good player. <laughs> he's becoming an all-star. He's long. He's six foot seven with a seven foot three wingspan. 
He's averaging yeah. 24.3 points per game this season. He's increasing his efficiency from three-point uh, land, career high in rebounds, assists, win shares, uses percentage. I mean, he's a superstar in the making. And he's, the, he's, like a, he's taking Kelly Oubre and upgrading that player into somebody who's consistently offensively productive. Oh, yeah, he is. He's above Oubre by a lot, oh, yeah. I think. Um, he was all-star last year. I mean, it was kind of questionable about him being an all-star last year, but I felt like he deserved it as long as Booker did get in there. Um, but the thing is with him, he just continues to impress every year. And this is something that, like, Kelly Oubre just – he's improved this year, but these numbers that he puts up is something that Oubre or anybody we have that we can put at the four or even the three, which I don't – I feel like Ingram – I know he's – I think he's, what, a three? But I feel like he can play the four. He can do either. Yeah. So, I mean – Either way, uh, dude, if he was in this lineup and you had him, Mikel, and DeAndre, yeah, like I just, I'm getting, you know, goosebumps, yeah, yeah, goosebumps. But, um, I mean, we all loved him, and he, it was funny you said that when the Lakers took him, we we're both like, damn it. And it's like it was back to back years with that. But this guy, like from the beginning, I thought this guy was gonna be amazing, and he's turning out to be that guy. Yep. And unfortunately, due to his performance, uh, seeing as he's going to be a restricted free agent this offseason, New Orleans is going to pay this guy. You know, this year he's on a $5.9 million deal. He's going to go for much more than that. I think the yes. Pelicans have an opportunity to offer him a max deal. Do you think they offer him a max deal? Or do they wait for to save some money for Zion when it comes? Because they still got two or three years for Zion before they have to max him out. Does he have to have the max deal in, all, in order to stay? Or, like, can no, he go somewhere so, else? So, he's a restricted free agent. Yeah, so, so restricted, yeah. So, essentially what happens is if they offer him a max deal, yeah, somebody has to match that. The Suns would have yeah. to match that, which they couldn't. Now, if they offer him $15 million for three years, that's their initial offer. Then another team can offer the same or more, and, he, and then he gets to be the free agent in that aspect and gets to yeah. choose which one he wants to go with. But, again, if they offer him a max deal, there's no way he says no to that, and there's no way I, the Suns could ever pay him that. Understood. And – he's going to get a lot of money just for that reason because teams are going to want to get this guy. Um, and Suns should be one of them. And if they do get him, then, of course, Kelly Oubre will not be there next year. Yeah, I mean, it's a matter of you'd have to trade You'd Oubre. have to dump that contract. Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. So, But those are the guys that I want Devin Booker to recruit while in Orlando. So, Devin, yeah, good if, you're, if you're listening, get on it, bro. Yeah, get on it. J.J. Redick was on the Bill Simmons podcast, and – he was uh, Bill Simmons was really questioning JJ about his work ethic and what he was doing to prepare in the pandemic. And he talked about how he's a guy of routine, but he also had a lot of access to um, gyms, trainers, anything he wanted, anywhere he was from, I guess, Philadelphia to Brooklyn, wherever he was staying at. And he just said, basically, there's no excuse for players to have an excuse that they weren't prepared to come back to play. And I just wanted to ask a question. I'm actually thinking this is going to be some fun basketball. Because I, from what I've seen when players are shown on uh, either a video or a photo, they are, they've lost weight. They mm -hmm. look like they're more in shape. And, of course, you can't get into basketball shape without playing basketball. But do you think this game is going to be more improved? And are, you, are we going to be surprised basically by what we see in the bubble when it comes to the game being played? Well, I mean, it starts with what your expectations are. And then based on those expectations, you can determine whether or not you'll be surprised. So I guess 
the first question is what are your expectations of how basketball is going to be played? Well, what I keep hearing is from what the media and fans expect, it's going to be very sluggish out of shape basketball. That's what I Mm -hmm. keep hearing. Unless I've heard nothing else, but that unless I'm listening to the wrong stuff, but isn't that what you've been hearing too? Kind of the same. Yeah. I mean, everybody's on the Luka Doncic workout program, which is not workout, you know? (laughs) And, and it seems like a lot of players have kind of talked about how tough it's been in isolation because they haven't had a chance to work out and go to the gym. You know, I wrote an article a while ago on Cam Johnson and how he was having a hard time with it because he had to go to the store or to Walmart and try to buy any weights he could. Cause I mean, he's a rookie. He doesn't have that huge million dollar house yet, you know? So he doesn't have all the equipment and the private workout rooms and things of that nature. So I yeah. think based on some of the minute things that we've heard from players agreed, my expectation is that it should be a sluggish game. Guys are going to be off. Uh, from a shooting standpoint, you know, rebounding is going to be something that guys are going to be doing a lot of because there's going to be a lot of missed shots. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if DeAndre Ayton comes out in his first game gets like 18 boards. Yeah, it means a lot of guys are missing the, the rim. So if I start with expectations, that's where it's at. Do I think that we're going to be surprised? I think we could be because to your point, there's a lot of guys who have taken the opportunity to try to get ready the right way. It, J.J. Redick nailed it. He's like, listen, I'm an NBA player. I can go anywhere and just kind of get them to open the gym for me in Brooklyn, New York. So, and if they tell me no, I've got two other places that I can go to. He's like, if you don't want to work out, then you're not going to work out. If you want to work out, you're going to work out. You're going to find a way to make it happen. The question is going to be how many guys actually did that? How many of the young players? Because J.J. Redick's 34 years old, 35 years old. So he's been doing it for a long time. It's become a routine to him. It's his daily life. He was talking about it. He's like, if I'm not going to the gym for a day, like I feel guilty. How many of these 21, 22, 23-year-old guys have that same work ethic and feel the same way? We'll find out when they take the court in Orlando. Yeah, we'll find out. Did you hear about that uh, mansion they were talking about too in LA? Yeah. Somebody has a replica in, of the, of the, the old LA Center. Stadium. Is it Staples or the old um, Coliseum they used to play in? The Great Western Forum? I think, yeah. he said, I think he said Staples, but he said it was some oh, mansion in Bel Air. That, that is crazy. Fucking wild, man. Yeah, that is awesome. That's something like I would love to do um, when that, you know, when I have the space. Yes. <laughs> when I make that next addition <laughs> to my garage, I'll make sure to throw yeah. in a, a life-size replica of Talking Stick Resort Arena. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so next up, next topic of discussion is we're going to talk about the NBA sets the transaction window and it actually starts tomorrow. Uh, we're recording this on Monday. So starting June 23rd and going all the way to June 30th is that is when the NBA is setting that transaction window for teams to pick up additional players if need be and uh, sign two way players. And we've talked about in the past, kind of some of the guys that the sun should target, especially seeing as uh, they're going to have an opening. Now they're going to have two openings because Kelly Oubre is out. So Anybody you have your eyes set on? Do you think they'll bring back Tyler Johnson? What are you thinking? No, I don't have any uh, any expectations for anybody really to be signed. Um, before we talked about it, I just think it's really going to be someone that's no-named uh, for the Suns. I know I saw Anthony Tolliver. I believe he is with Memphis Grizzlies now. Yep. Um, besides that, I mean, I know of him, of course. He used to play for the Suns. But uh, anybody else? I don't know. Who else were you thinking? It, it's tough because it's based off of our <laughs> needs. Uh, I think Tyler Johnson's actually reported to potentially go to Brooklyn. Um, wow. J.R. Okay. Smith is another guy who's out there who I think would be a nice addition. I doubt he would join the Suns. He would most likely try to be signed by a team that is looking to make a deep run into the playoffs. 
of course, you have Jamal Crawford, another former son, who it'd be nice to get him back here. And both those guys would be nice because they just, again, provide that two scoring off of the bench. But I think both of them would be uh, uh, fantastic additions. But again, I just don't know if they're going to join us, seeing as the fact that we're probably not going to be making the playoffs. Uh, probably not. <laughs> you know, other guys that are out there, um, you have Trey Burke, Isaiah, IT, Isaiah Thomas, mm-hmm. uh, DeMarcus Cousins. So he still hasn't committed. I think, uh, I think Cousins, I heard, is going to the Lake of the Clippers. Really? Uh, let me see real quick. I, yeah, I, I could have sworn I heard something. Because you're starting to hear those rumors now. I mean, we're a day yeah. out, but, I mean, everybody's already starting to kind of make their commitments and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Dallas Mavericks? Yeah, so, again, it's all rumors because it's all over the place. Nobody really yeah, knows. Yeah, it's like, it's like everywhere. <laughs> you know, Other guys, other wings, Gerald Green, another former son, uh, CJ Miles, Amon Shumpert. So those are some guys who the Suns could potentially pick up. But I agree with you. If the Suns are going to make any roster moves, which they will here in the next uh, week, without a doubt, they're going to have to. They need players to play. They're going to bring guys in. Yeah, it's not going to be that sexy name that excites you, and you know you start rah rahing about because you just don't know who these guys are because nobody's going to sign like yeah I just want to sign for eight days or eight games I'm sorry they're going to sign like yo I want to be there for a run I want to take a a shot at a championship this is my opportunity to do so so guys who have those big sexy names they're going to end up going to other teams and filling out their rosters whereas the Suns are going to get guys who've been playing in the G League. And they just wanted an opportunity to have some exposure in the NBA. Yeah, I think so too. You're exactly right about that, man. All right, next up, we want to hit some mailbag questions from yeah, the Suns Jamsters. Yep. Let's do All it. right, so the first one is from, <laughs> from Jonathan Che. And I actually saw what he's re- referencing here. He says, what do you think of this trade that the Bleacher Report suggested for this offseason? He said, the Suns trade Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, and Ty Jerome to the Rockets for Russell Westbrook. What do I think? Yeah, what do you think? Does, what do this, I does, think? does this go under the uh, dumb trade of the week category? Yeah, it would be. And plus, can you imagine how upset Russell Westbrook would be to, to play here? Or else would he be happy because he has his own team again, basically? I mean, I know Booker's here, but Westbrook's he's all time. He's an all-NBA guy, so it would be his team, basically, right? Pretty, yeah, without a doubt. It would be his team uh, with – Booker falling into that kind of secondary role that we've always wanted him to truly be in because I feel like that's where he can thrive. Yeah. And then DA just being the big guy down down uh, underneath the basket. I'm not going to play the dumb trade of the week music because I actually like this trade. All right. Well, give me a reason. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Kelly Oubre's contract expires at the end of next season. Ty Jerome yeah. is a work in progress, and we don't know what he's going to be, but the first initial signs were not something promising. And Ricky Rubio's contract's up in two seasons. So are you, what you can do is you could take those pieces, push it in the middle of the pot, and try to get something, something pretty well, uh, well-rounded and you know what you're getting out of it. It also would be nice to have the Suns actually make a trade with a name that you know, matters. Get an all-star. When's the last time the Suns traded to get an all-star? Oh, it would have to be... Um, uh, uh, keep thinking. It would have to be... Hold on. Yep, carry the one. <laughs> hold on. At a decade. Yeah, I mean... By an all-star, what do you mean? Like making an all-star game? Yeah, somebody who's been an, been an all-star. <laughs> Has it been Sean no Marion for Shaq? I mean... It would have to be, right? When's the last that time they it. traded somebody to get somebody who is an all-star? We they just, traded... I can't. Sorry. It, it's been so long. It's been so long. So I think that 
it would be tough, obviously, to say goodbye to Kelly Oubre, Ricky Ruby, and Ty Jerome. It'd be tough to say goodbye to any person on this team right now because for the first time in a decade, I actually love every member of this team. There's no member of this team right now who I was just um, – other than maybe Elia Kobo, but still, like, that's just because I feel like he hasn't been used correctly. But yeah. for the most part, every member of this roster, I enjoy having them on the team. So I don't want to say goodbye to any of them. But if you get rid of those three to get Russell Westbrook out of the deal, I think that's a win for the Suns. But you don't see his career going down and down and down, do you? I know he's thriving right now, but he's playing in the offense where he can just do whatever the hell he wants. He can do whatever I just don't the hell think it's he wants equal. here. I know, but it's not going to equal wins because we've already seen that in OKC where he could barely make the playoffs by himself with a team. I know he didn't have Devin Booker. He didn't have DeAndre Ayton. Exactly. So, yeah, I kind of like this trade now. Now that I talked myself into it, I kind of like it. But Papa Ricky, uh, I don't know. That's going to be a tough one, dude. I would have to buy Ricky Rubio's jersey the low suns jersey just to have that and wear it to every game if they trade that guy which i might buy anyways but i'm just saying i kelly uber is going to get traded i think i i am almost 100 percent he's going to get traded probably this offseason uh so ricky rubio is really the only one we're talking about that's going to be gone from the suns with this trade so if you're going to get russell Westbrook, who is proven already like he said and ricky rubio who really hasn't done too much to make himself like known um so yeah i'm on it how underrated is Ricky Rubio? I don't know. I feel like he's very well rated because if you look at his career, he hasn't done anything really. I mean, he he went to the playoffs with Utah, but he didn't really play. He wasn't really the main focus. He really played like um, off ball. He came off the bench. He wasn't really in there in fourth quarter situations as much as he should have been if he's going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. So he... Honestly, I think he's well-rated the way he is, and I think he's well-respected. There's not really an argument for me about the way he's rated right now. I feel like from a Suns fan standpoint, he doesn't get enough recognition for what he does because every opportunity Suns fans have, they want to talk about our need for a point guard, Ricky Rubio's too slow, uh, he doesn't handle the ball enough. I feel like there's not a lot of positive things that are spoken about Ricky Rubio where you look at his actual performance, and, and don't get me wrong, I mean, he's been kind of uh, up and down this season with, without a doubt. But you look at his statistics this year, and the guy is third in the NBA with 8.9 assists per game. I mean, it's, it's yeah. pretty, pretty darn good performance from your point guard. I mean, that's what you want him to do. And again, people just feel like he doesn't, doesn't have it. Maybe I mean, he shoots 4.4 field goals per game. So maybe mm-hmm. it's just because offensively with his 13 points a game, it's just not something sexy that they want. But 13 and pretty much nine assists, that's, that's acceptable for Ricky Rubio. Now, granted, you bring in Russell Westbrook, it's a totally different kind of game, totally different kind of performance. I mean, Russell Westbrook's in – he's 31 years old, and he's averaging yeah. 27.5 game, uh, points a game, seven rebounds a game – or I'm sorry, six rebounds a game and seven assists a game. I mean, he's just a different kind of player, but – I, I just I wonder that from time to time is Ricky Rubio not properly rated yeah. in the eyes of Suns fans. Well, in the Suns fans, I think you're right. He might not be, but honestly, a lot of I kept hearing that he was like kind of like the MVP of the season when they were doing good. So it's all about wins. It's just like Devin Booker; he's not getting the respect he thinks he deserves, but he's not winning. So if you're not winning, of course, you're not going to get really the respect or the true evaluation of the season unless you get the wins. True. True. All right, one last mailbag question. One last mailbag question. This is from Straw. Who is one upcoming free agent that the Suns should target this offseason? Should we say it on three? One, 
two, two three. three. Davis Bertans. Bertans. Ah, so we agree on that. Yes. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> think that Davis Bertans is somebody who would be an ideal fit for the Suns. Uh-huh. Always saying we need three-point shooting and a power forward. What does he do? Shoots, shoots almost threes. 50 freaking percent from yes. three. <laughs> and he's a power forward. Yes. So yeah, he's been a career bench guy, so I don't think he's out there trying to Dario Saric and find a team that's going to start him. I think he wants to come and contribute, and I think that the Suns would be a fantastic place to bring him. I think that he's priced himself out of the market, though, with his performance this season in Washington. Yeah, but I feel like he's kind of like the ceiling the Suns can go after. Um, if we get him, I wouldn't be surprised. I would be very, very happy, but it's not like I would be so surprised to be like, okay, like we can't afford him. I know it would be a lot of money, but just saying if we get him then kelly Oubre is obviously gone i would think but um dude i, I if we uh, if we got <laughs> if we got him though he would be such a trust a, a guy that we can trust on the court yes. someone that in those position in the positions in the fourth quarter situations whatever he's a guy i want to see on the court and we played against him i've seen him play many times this year uh continues to impress so i hope this is a guy that the suns can really land because i know he's not an all-star but he'd be a beautiful guy to add well yeah i mean we always are talking about how it'd be nice for the suns to to bring in that next offensive firepower next to Devin booker bring in the next star you know let bookers shine next to somebody else and there's no one really in this offseason who's a superstar. You have, like, Anthony Davis, but he's most likely going to opt in for another year with L.A. Yeah. And, I mean, the free agent class next year, you look at, like, the the 2000 – was it 21? No, it would be 2020 slash 21, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So, you look at that offseason and the NBA free agents that are going to be out on the market, and it starts to get ridiculous. Like, LeBron James – Obviously, who knows what he'll do just because he's LeBron James and it's whatever he's going to progress his career. But you have, let's see, Vince Carter. Gordon Hayward <laughs> is going is to be out there. Jason Tatum, although albeit restricted. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Durant's going to be out there. I mean, the, all the big – Kawhi Leonard, all the big superstars are going to be free agents next season. So what the Suns need to do this offseason is from a free agent standpoint, just find a really solid role player fortify that bench and Davis Bertans is the guy to do that. And I guess the question I have for you is, is it Davis Bertans or Davis Burton's Davis Burton's. What do you call him? Dalvis. I call him Dalvis with the L. Wow. That's wrong. <laughs> I don't know. That's totally wrong though, but that's how I always say it. it Davis Bertans, the Davis. Latvian laser. Mm-hmm. I call them uh, Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys Bertans. <laughs> so, but uh, to answer your question, Straw, that's who both Matthew and I think would be the perfect guy to go after. Again, yeah. just hoping that he hasn't priced himself out of the market. He made, I believe, $10 million last year, somewhere in that range. So that's a lot for a bench player, but we've paid Tyler Johnson more in the past. It'll just be interesting to see what kind of cap space we're going to end up based off who we keep and who we don't keep going into the next season. So mm-hmm. if you bring in Davis Bertans, you have a power forward coming off the bench who can really uh, light up the scoreboard. And like Matthew said, you can trust. You can trust him at any point of the game to score points. And that, at the end of the day, is what you got to do to be successful. So Yep, exactly. So before we end this here Suns Jam Session podcast, what's, uh, what's new, Matthew? You watching anything new or playing anything new or new hobbies, anything in the past week? So I, 
Not really. I'd still been watching the Black Death lectures about the 1400s, you know, Black Death. I'm on episode seven. And you said there's uh, 25 of those? There's 24 of them. Holy so, shit. I don't know. It's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I keep my time um, pretty occupied by that. I mean, I just it's been writing for Valley of the Suns. I had two articles that came out, or two posts, whatever they're called, that came out. Um, I don't know. What else, what else have I been doing, dude? I feel like I'm just busy work and all that. What about you? A lot of the same, you know, a lot of time spent focusing on work, ensuring that processes are both enjoyable for our guests, but most importantly, safe for them while they're traveling on vacation, uh, yeah. playing, playing a little golf, played the TPC Scottsdale yeah. yesterday and is actually my last two holes, the 17th hole and the 18th hole. I hit 30 plus foot putts and the last hole was the one to win it for my team from 30 feet out, man. So like I hit it and I threw the club and Jordan did it out of there. And Oh, hell yeah. How many yeah. beers did you have? Oh God. 12 pack? No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, we started playing at eight in the morning. So it wasn't until like the eighth hole, I took a shot at Jack Daniels. And then, that was, uh... <laughs> yeah, that's after I put it like two feet from the pin. So I was like, okay, you know what? I earned this. And then I had like two beers and like three white claws. And oh, okay. Good, that's not too bad. Good time. Good time. Yeah. That's but, always fun, man. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was father's day round with a bunch of my buddies and it was nice to get out there and see a lot of guys I haven't seen in a long time. So that was fun. Uh, as far as watching anything new, I love the history channel and I've actually been just watching this series on Winston Churchill, Joseph Stalin and Franklin Delano Roosevelt and how they kind of navigated world war two. So anything that pertains to world war two, I'm instantly sucked in and fascinated yes, by that's your thing. It just, it, it blows my mind to see how, the United States as a country fought two wars on two different fronts and did so effectively. And Germany did the same thing and didn't. And it was just interesting mm -hmm. to see kind of this power struggle that these guys had. So I watched a couple hours of it yesterday. I'm watching some more of it. So yeah, that stuff you, is endless. But I tell you what, man, I'm just, I'm so excited for basketball to come back. And again, baseball, you know, we'll all end where we started. And hockey. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it'll happen. <laughs> yeah. But, but I'll end where we started, you know, baseball, Again, it's like, I'm, I'm so damn, they're going to get crushed, dude. They're going to come back and they're going to have maybe a week by themselves before basketball comes back. And when basketball comes back, everybody's going to flock to that because it's more exciting. They did it right. They told us a month ago how they were going to do it. And then they followed up on it. And baseball has been floundering, playing with our emotions for like two months now. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, once baseball's back on, I'll watch it for a little bit, but once basketball's gone is back on, like I don't know if I'm gonna watch baseball. Like I'm frustrated as a fan. I'm frustrated. Yeah. But one question though for basketball, is every game gonna be televised? It has to be, right? I'm I sure know. is that too I'm, much? I'm sure in some way, shape, or form. It would have I, to be. It's not all gonna be TNT specials, but I mean they'll probably yeah. they'll get creative as shit with it. They'll put there's TV contracts and rights, so they'll probably have yeah. local the local games. You know, if the Suns are playing, you're probably gonna get uh Leander. Uh, doing the pregame show, you got K Ray and Eddie Johnson doing the show. They'll just be doing it remotely. I think everyone will be uh, will yeah. be. Yeah, it's going to be entertaining as hell, and uh, no one will be watching baseball. So you are right on that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but that's that's it for this uh, Suns Jam Session podcast. We appreciate you tuning in again, and uh, that's all I think I have to say. I'm going to finish this beer and go watch some more World War II stuff. So, all right, jumping well, out. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and stay home and love your family. 